What happened to her understanding of her gender identity when she did finally discover the correct biological facts? Amy, you again. Well, I think Lisa Lee is also a very good example of the importance of plasticity in the development of human identity. Lisa Lee went from knowing herself to be a boy to knowing herself to being hermaphrodite to knowing herself to be a girl, um, genetically, biologically. But what she actually says is that she never doubted initially that she was a boy and that she now doesn't, hasn't changed her behaviour or changed her feeling as a consequence of that information. She's absorbed that information and she doesn't classify herself either as male or female. Her behaviour, she feels, hasn't changed as a result of that information. So it suggests to me that your brain or your psychology isn't gendered male or female, but rather somewhere in between, and you're able to adapt to completely different personas biologically placed upon yourself. Troy? Yes, I mean, in terms of the social constructionist perspective, it's very, very interesting, Lisa's response to learning that she was a biological female, because in social terms, it seemed to have disrupted completely her sense of gender identity. She was a little boy or a youth trying to be a man at least, although having a feminine side. And then on learning that she has, in fact, a a biological basis, it seems to completely disrupt her gender identity. And she talks about not seeing herself as either masculine or feminine, but as just being herself. She doesn't particularly identify with one group or the other. She doesn't see herself as more strongly masculine or feminine. And so in those terms, uh, in social constructionist terms, you might say she's almost degendered, and not desexed, obviously, but degendered by this. And she comments, doesn't she, that people find it strange, and, and there I think she is experiencing the social pressure that she's expected to be one thing or the other. She says people expect her to be this or that and that she explains her resistance partly in terms of her obstinacy. When somebody wants me to be one thing, I'll... I'll stand out for the opposite. And and she has to actually oppose some very, very strong pressures to be one thing or the other in order to actually be this, neither one thing nor the other, or in the middle, as she puts it. Yes, it's perhaps especially poignant also that... Uh, when she had the diagnosis of hermaphrodism and was told that she was going to die, her response was, at least I don't have to make the choice now, it's all over. And that is indicative of the great pressure that is placed on individuals to belong to one side or the other. Yes, it's hardly surprising that you just want to avoid having to carry on fighting that fight in the face of um, an awful lot of really um, abusive, bullying behaviour from the outside and having no safe place except in her own company, which is how she developed. Biologically, CAH is not a separate category to male or female. When medics use those use that term, that medical term, it's not used as an indication of some ambiguous or potentially ambiguous biological sexual category. It's simply a medical problem, a hormonal problem, an enzyme problem. And so even from a medical perspective, the medics who are understanding her biology will still be pushing her into one category or the other, not somewhere in between. 
So she has continued not um, to be clearly one thing or the other, but of course this has also been affected by the fact that she was um, doused in male hormones uh, following the um, the diagnosis as hermaphrodite. So how does she experience herself nowadays? The third question that we posed ourselves. Amy, what would those male hormones have done which uh, she was taking over at least five years of her adolescent and uh, youth life? Well, again, it's not clear because it would depend very much on the hormonal environment present within her prior to that time. Um, and it's important to remember, of course, that hormones aren't just involved in sexual development or the development of, of sexual organs or brains or gender identities. Uh, sex hormones are some of the most widely used medications in history and are really important for the development of all sorts of organs, lungs, kidney, liver, blood vessels. So you can't just think about those sex hormones as just relating to her gender identity is the first thing to say. The other thing to say is that whilst she doesn't classify herself as either male or female, she does talk about having children at some point. And so it seems that her identity is able, again, to demonstrate this plasticity so that her biology and her environment can both be encompassed by how she perceives herself. So she is able to change her perception of herself as her biology, as it were, or her identification of her biology changes. And Troy, from a social constructionist perspective, when Lisa Lee gets this expert diagnosis, how would you see that as affecting her experience of her gender? Well, when Lisa gets the first medical diagnosis, she accepts that as the truth. She sees the medical um, opinion that's given to her as something that's objective. In terms of her gender, as she goes through the entire process, which appears to be about five years of medical diagnosis, she learns that she has to weigh up the evidence that she is given from uh, medical experts about what her gender is and that it's only at the end of a very long process that she comes to a conclusion, and so do they, as to what her gender is and how it relates to her biological status. What Lisa seems to be doing now is going through a process after degendering herself, after that tremendous traumatic process of learning that there was a difference, even a disparity between her biological um, sex and her social gender, of regendering herself. And in terms of what she tells us, that seems to come through in her talk about, for example, the need to become thin again. Thin, as we all probably know, is currently very important for women in the West in terms of doing or producing their femininity, of being attractive. And Lisa talks about her need to become thin again. Of course, we have to recognise that in the traumatic process she's been through, she gained much more weight than could ever be normal because of her hormone treatment. And so it's not just a question of her wanting to become thin in the fashion plate sense, but she wants to become acceptably, physically, recognisably female. And so she wants part of that, a necessary part of that, 
is to lose weight to do that. And the other important thing is that she talks about having a child. And again, in our culture, and perhaps perhaps this is a universal in many cultures, that is one of the most important ways of doing adult femininity, is to have a child and to bring that child up and to nurture it. But um, again, Wendy, perhaps that brings us back to the psychodynamic perspective, because in the psychodynamic perspective, having a child has other uh, importance. Well, that's right. Um, The women psychoanalysts who came after Freud emphasised that it wasn't just the possession of the penis that uh, secured a person's gender, but the most valuable possession that a woman had was a womb, and that this is something that men might envy women for because it's the basis of all creation. And here is Lisa Lee, who grew up assuming that she was a boy, discovering that she has a womb, that she can have children, and through that she can realise a very important psychological desire, which is through having a son. And I thought that it will be very important for her future gender experience because by, um, by looking after a boy in the way that she was never looked after as a child, she can relive and, and repair the experience of having had a, a really very miserable childhood as a boy through having a son and to care for that son as a mother can. And so in, maybe that is the moment that will really secure her gender identity if indeed she does have that child.